Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Reactive Redefined and the group coaching program will reopen for enrollment on Monday, August 1st. If you could use more immediate support for your reactive dog, be sure to join the free mini course over on our website, agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. You can also invest in the self-guided version of Reactive Redefined and gain access to our comprehensive course content to get the ball rolling before we can support you one-on-one. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I have another extraordinary reactive dog guardian with me today. Um, Megan, thank you for taking time out of your day to talk about your experience inside of Reactive Redefined. So without further ado, can you please introduce the listeners to your girl? Yes, of course. So um, Olive is my little 20 pound Schnauzer mix. I think she's Schnauzer Terrier. I rescued her um, when she was, I think, 10 weeks old. So she's four now. Um, she is a, she's a spitfire, um, but I love her. Uh, super independent dog. And um, she, she's, a, she's definitely like a sweet lover. Um, she loves people. Um, and she used to be, I would say until she was about t- almost two, she loved dogs, puppies, adult dogs, any kind of dog. She loved having interactions with dogs. Um, and then slowly from there, she became a little bit more reactive. She started becoming reactive or scared, I would say at first and not wanting to, to interact with dogs. And then, um, it just progressed slowly from there. And I think I missed a lot of signs in the beginning. So I think, I mean, that's why I let it get so far. And now um, she, well, it's gotten better now (laughs) that I've been working with Rachel, but um, before she would get very um, super reactive, super reactive. She couldn't even be within 30 feet of a dog before she would just absolutely lose her mind. Um, and it was making it, yeah, it was making it really hard to go out even to go on a normal walk. So, um, so finally I said, okay, I've seen, I've been to other trainers and I've, you know, I follow people on Instagram and you think you can do everything on your own and everything's going to be fine, but you don't realize how much you don't know until you find out. Oh my God. Right. You're like, okay. And now I'm attached to this dog who's having a hard time all the time. Okay. And let's be honest. Like, I think too, because of like her size and her breed combos, I feel like that just attracts a little bit more attention also. Right. Like schnauzers are not quiet. She has a very high pitched, loud bark. And people are like, oh, just look at that little dog barking. And you're like, we are trying. Okay. We're trying here. God, I know. So the barking now I've learned to be like, okay, this is her, you know, she's saying what's up or she's whatever. Um, It's just when she's really upset or scared, then it's just like, oh my God, please, just please give me a break. Well, and I'm really glad you bring up that distinction, right? Like the difference between like 
being loud and barky is part of her personality. And then like the flip side of like, she's clearly having a hard time and it's manifesting itself as that loud barking. Right. And I remember in our first one-on-one, like, I remember talking about that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I know schnauzers are just loud mouth (laughs) dogs, aren't they? And you already knew, right? Like, I felt like you understood the difference, but you knew that like her reactivity was not just like part of her, like really appealing spunky personality. Right. It was like way beyond that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize, like, there's some things that I was questioning and I know I, I sent you videos about it and you're like, no, I don't think that's reactivity. I think she's just saying hi. And so, um, so now I, I really understand. And I let her kind of do her thing until I'm like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And you know, I think that there's a, there's a really delicate balance because like, obviously, being a schnauzer mix, she is going to be more vocal. That's just like mm-hmm. who she is. But we also live in a society that is not as like patient and understanding about the fact that like she's doing something that comes really naturally to her. Right. Yeah. And like balancing that, like we want her to be able to be like her loud vocal self, but also like we share the world with lots of other people. <laughs> yeah. And when she's at the park, like, and someone's walking by and she's just like saying hi, I feel like I'm like, oh, sorry. You know, she's just saying hi. And get over here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Like it is, it is not an easy balance to strike. Right. Yeah. Like trying to like help people understand like, Oh, this, she's fine. Does she just like, yeah. like, that's just yeah. who she is. Right. Oh my God. And they're okay. just like, well, I don't like it. You know, like <laughs> stop it. <laughs> yeah. And I think too, like, unfortunately the like little barky dog stigma which is not fair, right? For the record, it is not fair, but it does exist, right? Like you live in the world with people who are not like dog experts who don't understand, like, (laughs) because she's small. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. So do you feel like there was any like incident, like in her life where you started to see like, like, does she like have a negative experience with the dog? Not so much. It just kind of slowly started to show up the reactivity. Yeah. So, um, looking back at the time I thought, you know, I knew best and, um, but no, looking back now, I used to take her to, well, she used to go to the dog park from, since I could take her, you know, as soon as I could, um, I wanted to socialize her and I thought, oh, this is a safe place. You know, dogs are all friendly and it's, it's amazing. It's a whole park full of dogs. What can go wrong? Um, but yeah, things can go wrong. And I think I probably missed some, some little subtle things that may have happened with her, um, that I didn't do anything about. I do now thinking back, I remember this specific time at the dog park where two, they were puppies her size, but they were puppy pit bulls and they were just not hurting her, but they were just following her around and barking at her to the point where she's a very, okay. So she's a very independent dog. She never needs me. Never, never, never needs me. But she walked, she would run to me and like kind of stand behind me. And I didn't leave the dog park. I kind of just let it. I mean, I, we tried to escape the dogs. Um, the owner, of course, the other owner was not doing anything about their dogs either, but I, I let it, I didn't do anything about it. And I regret that. I regret that. Cause I'm sure that was not a good, it wasn't a good experience for her. Um, so I'm sure things like that. And I used to take her to daycare and I don't know what goes on there. They have cameras, but you can't be watching 24 seven and you know, you don't really know. Um, and then, um, I did start to see signs where I would be walking her and she would not want to walk by a dog. And so she would try to stop herself 
she would try to manage the situation herself and say, I don't want to go this way. And I remember my mom walking with me one time and saying, oh, I'm just going to pick her up. I said, no, mom, no, she has to learn <laughs> to not be afraid. And God, if I could just turn back time and say, <laughs> what, slap myself and say, what are you doing? She's telling you she doesn't want to go by the dogs. But and you were doing the best you could with the I, information that you had, right? Like, yeah. you weren't a dog expert. You were just a well-meaning dog guardian. And I think, too, that, like, Megan, this this happens to all of us, myself included, even before I was a professional trainer. Like, I think we have this, like, thought process where, like, dogs can handle some bad experiences, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. not like the end of the world for them to like have these bad experiences and it, it, it isn't overarching but it's like when you look back and you see those things starting to stack you're like oh okay those mm-hmm. were the things she was trying to tell me that I didn't understand then yeah. Yeah. right but that's all of us right like we all do that seriously oh my god sometimes I sit down and think about like all the dogs who have left their physical form that like did not benefit from everything I know now. And I wish that I could like give that to them. You know what I mean? But we can't, we can only do the best that we can with the information that we have. So, you know, things happen, life happened with Olive and you realized it and you started to get help. So before you joined Reactive Redefined, you already had a really good understanding of positive reinforcement training. You had worked with a, a wonderful trainer in person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, this was uh, probably almost two years ago now. Um, we both, my boyfriend and I both have dogs and they both could, u- could use a little bit of help. Like not necessarily, I mean, with reactivity for sure. And a little, learn a little bit more of like um, management stuff. You know, like we learned a lot of stuff anyway. Um, and at that time, Um, unfortunately when we were doing training, like she wouldn't react to any dogs. And so I'm like, come on, she really doesn't promise you. Like, I need help. Help me with this. Um, so, um, so I mean the, it was amazing help. I learned really good tools on, um, just in general, like I learned touch and, and place and stuff like that, but, um, it, I didn't. I, I guess I wasn't fully equipped to deal with the, how bad her reactivity was going to get. Um, so, so I'm so glad for that training, but I need, I think I needed a, more help specifically based off of her reactivity, you know, and tools right. to manage that. And uh, in between there, um, well, I started following you on Instagram um, and a few other, you know, like how you can just follow, like you see this person, you follow that person or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so, so I thought, okay, I thought you gave tips and so I would use your tips and I'd use their, this person's tips and that person's tips. And I'm just like, dude, like, I'm, it's not getting any better. Like, what am I doing wrong? What am I missing? I know I'm missing something, you know? And, um, and then I realized when I started watching your videos on the reactive redefine website, that it's not just like standing in front of a dog and giving her treats, you know, like, right. It's all kinds of other stuff. 
Um, so I'm really thankful to have started to, to delve into that side of it too. Yeah. Right. So, um, I think that a lot of people are on the fence, right. About joining reactive redefined because like they have worked with the trainer before and they're doing some things, but I think something that was, that's always so beneficial for all the teams, but I think particularly you and Olive is that we were able to implement the right training tool at the right moment so that you could like more strategically expedite the training process, right? Like I love social media and it's so wonderful that there's all these amazing trainers sharing all of this information, but it's like, I think that that almost makes it a little bit more debilitating because like this person saying, this is the only way to do it. This person saying, this is the only way to do it. When really you need the specific way for Olive to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like how you and Olive can be, be successful. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you join Reactive Redefined, one of the major goals that you've made big progress on was really just that she could more successfully engage with you, decrease reactivity, just even around home, because Mm -hmm. you were already like getting her to places on the long leash where she could be more successful. Like that was going well, but it was really more the, like her barking at other dogs, like in the complex, that was the major Mm -hmm. issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, I live in this apartment complex that has like nice little paths and grass and stuff um, that she likes to, she's a She's a nose dog, so she loves to sniff and hunt lizards and stuff. And so that is just her bread and butter right there. Like you could leave <laughs> her in front of one, probably one single bush all day long. And she would, she would just, I don't know, she'd sniff it out. So, um, so she likes to spend a lot of time there, but it was becoming a really big problem because we're in. So when a dog passes us, it's like, uh, there's like not even 10 feet, you know, like you either, and other dog owners don't realize their, their dog is fine. You know, they can pass other dogs and it's not a problem. And so they don't realize, oh shit, they're going to pass a freaking psychopathic dog right now. And who knows what's going to happen. Um, so I was, I was, you know, I would tense up and freak out. And so I started, you know, I would pick her up even to try to minimize like any sort of reaction. And it was just like, it was just not good. Um, and so, and you kind of helped me to, I, I realized I wasn't able to get her attention either when we were in the apartment complex or around like the general area. And that was a problem for a lot of reasons. Like, uh, I should be able to get her attention, you know? <laughs> um, and, um, especially like if there's an incoming dog and I wanted to get her attention to go the other way or even distract her and make sure she's not going to notice the dog or whatever. And, um, so we've, tr- we've, you know, learn some new tricks and some new tools to, and we're still working on them. Like it's very difficult for her just because of the type of dog she is, you know, and she just loves her environment more than anything I could ever give her. Um, you know, like I could be like, unless I like was a lizard, like she's not going to want to look at me. (laughs) Um, so it's been difficult and it's, 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 I know it's going to be like a very slow progress, but I've already seen a little bit of a difference. So I'm going to keep at it. Um, you know, because that's so important for me for just specifically for Olive, you know, I have another dog that will, will eat anything before it doesn't eat him first. And so it's really easy to get his attention and he's much easier to train in that sense. Um, so 
I was thinking, well, why, what's wrong with my dog? Why can't I get her to pay attention to me? Why doesn't she listen to me? You know, like, look at all the, like Dante is does such a good job, blah, blah, whatever. Um, but I didn't realize that, yeah, you have to, you have to modify training depending on you and the dog. Yeah. And you know, it's like, it's a really humbling experience, especially when you have the contrast of a dog who is really easy to get their attention. Yeah. Right. Where you're like, oh my God, like I cannot get through to this dog. Like, hello, do you see me here? Like it is, it is not a tremendously rewarding experience on the human end to be attached to a dog like Olive. And clearly Olive isn't doing it to give you the finger, right? (laughs) Like it's not even about that, but that's sometimes how it feels, right? When Mm. you're like, come on girl like please just pay attention to me and I think too like I think that the positive reinforcement in using food obviously is effective and you know how to do that in a lot of contexts but I think that we really had to expand how we defined a reinforcer for Olive Mm -hmm. and how we use that to our to your advantage Mm -hmm. Right. Because like, okay, she's obsessed with chasing lizards. She's obsessed with bushes. How do we leverage that? Right. To get a little bit of feedback. And I remember, you know, you uploaded a video and I was like, this is perfect. She's like, she didn't even look at me. I'm like, oh no, she didn't. But she disengaged for like two seconds and then you let her back. Right. Like just those small things that I think like it's hard to see like where it's actually going, right? Because you just want her to like, look at you for God's sakes. But it's like, (laughs) you know, it's one of those that I'm like, listen, she actually like flicked an ear in your direction. That is progress, right? Mm -hmm. Like, has that been helpful? Just like understanding that like those itty bitty things she's doing, like are actually meaningful and reinforceable. Oh my gosh. You have no idea. It's helped me so much. It's helped my confidence too, because yeah, I was, I was beginning, I had given up. I'm like, she's never going to, don't even bother. She's not going to look at you. She's not going to follow direction, you know, whatever. Just let her follow the leash, let her do her thing. That's just who she's going to be. And you just have to live with it. But, um, (laughs) but no, I even, I've, uh, I can't remember where I was. Gosh, I was in some, we were on a walk somewhere new and she was pulling, you know, rightfully so. She's like, I want to get to this. I want to get to that. And this is so exciting. And I still was like, every so often, you know, I'd try, I would stop on the leash and try to get her to look back at me, but I wouldn't because we're at the point around here, around where I live now, we're at the point where she has to look at me and she has to take one or two steps toward me. That's where we're at now. And when we were out on a walk, I was like, there's no way in hell she's going to even try to do that. So if she even glances her head in my direction, I'll be, I'll be okay with that and just let it proceed. And so I've learned, I've also learned that we need to like adjust our training depending on like the environment too, you know, which I didn't understand fully before I thought, well, she does it here. Why can't she do it here and blah, blah, blah. So that's been really helpful too. But yeah, like I was, I was honestly, it made me feel so bad because I just wanted, I just want a normal dog that everyone else has that heals, that does, you know, the things they're supposed to, that takes the cookie all the time, you know, and, and just for us, we're just a little bit different. And I've, um, I've, I've accepted that I have, I fully accepted it now. (laughs) Right. 
Well, and it's like, you know, I often refer to it as like reasonable. We all want a dog who's reasonable. You know what I'm saying? Like we ask them to do something and they're like, okay, fine. I can do that. Right. But I think that like, you know, for a dog like Olive, who finds so much reinforcement out in the world for her, it's actually really punishing to be reasonable right? Like our version of reasonable. She's like, this is ridiculous. There's this big bad world. What do you mean? I have to look at you like this is absurd. And I, I have so much admiration for that personality type in a dog. You know what I mean? Because I think that like, while it is frustrating in a lot of aspects, because you just like want her to pay attention to you. It's also one of those that like, we should take her lead and like, be like, no, I actually want to do what I'm doing. And I'm going to keep doing that a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we gotta celebrate that tenacity a little bit. Right. Oh, or, yeah. Right. Yeah, because sure. like you always choose to do what you want to do all of it. I respect that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh my God. I respect that, but I need you to go this way now. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And lots of reinforcement to make it so that she can be more reasonable. Okay. Exactly. And let's be honest, she is becoming more and more reasonable. So Another mm-hmm. skill, right, that we have definitely been working on is her walking at your side on cue. Mm-hmm. But something that we did was like, don't do it at home yet, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like it's too high of a criteria. She's not going to be able to yeah. do it. And oddly enough, she has an easier time on the longer leash at the mm-hmm. park paying attention to you, which you think mm-hmm. it would be the opposite, right? That like mm-hmm. at home, it would be really easy, but out in the park, it wouldn't. So mm-hmm. we, I just took that information that you told me, right? Like we're already doing long leash stuff. We're already having fun there and let's build in some little mini training sessions. Right. So yeah. do you want to just kind of speak a little bit about, um, how it felt just to do like those little foundational steps. I was like, seriously work on it for like less than two minutes. And you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've noticed it more and more now. Um, that I didn't think too. Yeah. She's on the long lead. She's in a park for God's sake, you know, like there's just so much she would, I'm sure she would rather be doing than walking by my side. Um, but I know I changed the value of treat. Um, she needs a little bit higher value if she's going to be listening to me in that kind of setting. And yeah, she just, for whatever reason, like I would literally take it, I would have to lure her at first. Like here is the cheese follow the cheese and I will give it to you kind of thing. Um, and it's a little bit harder because she's small. So I'm literally like bending over. Um, it's so weird, but for, for in the very beginning, I had to do that. And it was like, okay, like a few steps at a time. And then I would release her and then um, a few more steps. And then it's like 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And then now I practice it at this one particular park because she's very familiar with this park because we can walk there from where I live. Um, and now, like, I noticed the past few times when we're at this park, she just will come up to me all the time. She just runs up to me, which normally she doesn't do because there's all kinds of, you know, dog, male, whatever, female. Yeah, female, <laughs> exactly. So much female to catch up on, let's be honest. Yes, she's got all this stuff to, to look at and, and smell. And so now I noticed definitely, like, we were there yesterday, I walked them there yesterday, and she wouldn't like the majority of the time she would go sniff and then run back to me. go sniff run back to me go sniff she knows she, I'm going to give her some good stuff obviously which I will gladly if she's going to run to me you know um and then I started practicing it in the house too it's a little bit smaller area to work with but it's something we've never done before so um I'm going to start I'm just going to progress from there like maybe another park that we go to 
a little bit uh, less frequently and just go from there. And hopefully one day when we're in the apartment complex, I will get this little lady to walk by my side. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. All the pieces are there. Yeah. Like, you know, I think that I don't think I know. I absolutely <laughs> never tire. I never tire of the cascading effects that happen in relationships between humans and dogs when positive reinforcement is the main mode of training. You know what I mean? Like the fact that you can be out of, at a park, there's all these things that she could be distracted by. And she's like, no, my mom has the goods. She pays me well. Like I will check in with her. And like, it's so simple, but for a dog like her, holy shit, it's meaningful. Oh Yeah. Right. Because like paying attention to you is effing hard. Like, you know, so just for the listeners. So Dante is a a Mal pit cross or something strange. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Okay. Right. So he is just by nature a a little bit easier to reason with. Right. Because he's just got different breeds at play. But Mm -hmm. yeah, she just she did not come pre-programmed with the like look lovingly into people's eyes even if they don't ask you to right like that did not come pre-programmed for her (laughs) no not even a little bit so I'm serious like any any little attention she gives me out in the big you know world is amazing and I'm like I'll take it girlfriend like here you go here's your hot dog like you earned it (laughs) oh my god right like yes have your paycheck have your paycheck yes yeah and I think so Um, I think something else that we kind of helped shed some light on for you in Reactive Redefined was that Olive can actually be pretty successful in busier environments than you think she would be successful in, right? Like, didn't you, you took her, it was like downtown somewhere and she actually like had a pretty easy time staying on a threshold. Yeah. Yeah. And I still am trying to figure out like, because I feel like some dogs, she's okay. Not okay. She's like less likely to be reactive. And then there's other dogs where I'm like, oh, hell no. Like I better choke up on this leash right now because it's about to hit the fan. Um, but then, yeah, like other times, like specifically, I remember what time you're talking about. And she, I don't know. We, I don't know for sure. And you said she probably would have been okay, but I don't know for sure what it would have happened if I would have let her go up and sniff the dog, but it was about a dog her size. And she was just sniffing. We, they got within like five feet of each other, just sniffing each other. And it was the proudest moment. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because she did so good and she disengaged herself. She walked away and started sniffing something else. And I was like, Oh my God, who are you? Like, this is amazing. So, um, so yeah, I think I don't, I think it's just that thing, like where we, we as reactive dog guardians just get anxious. We just get super anxious. We want to keep our dogs under threshold because we, you know, we feel like any reaction is just like it's stacking, you know, which in turn, you, you know, you said like, they kind of have to, you kind of have to let things play out once in a while. Um, which I've, I've done, I've tried to do, but then there's sometimes where I'm just like, I don't want this to happen, you know, especially in a, like a busy space like that, you know, you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Right. Well, and I think that's something that, that's been cool too, about like the videos, right. That you've been uploading is that like, I feel like we've been able just to like fan out a little bit more about like some of those subtle body language cues. Right. And like mm-hmm. the body language near the dog, I was like, no, this looks really good, right? Like you could, right? So like, I think that 
that takes so much time. I think like on the human end to feel perceived safety and what you know about your dog's body language so that you can like let more things play out and not feel mm-hmm. anxious, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not an easy thing, but I feel like you're starting to understand some more of those like subtle body language things so that like you do have a little bit more of a like, this is a training moment. This is a like, oh, hell no, get out of here moment, right? And it's okay yeah. to have both. Mm-hmm. But how are you feeling about like learning the distinction between the two of those? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like I'm able to tell a little bit more, like definitely with like, there's different, she has different stiff attributes, I get, or like stiffness. Like yeah. here's this one stiffness, here's this other stiffness, there's a playful stiffness, and then she's got her like, like what's going to, like, she's, she's got an interested stiffness too. And then she's got a scared stiffness. So I've kind of like learned to discern between those three at least. Um, but yeah, I think like, um, up to a point, like, like I said, we haven't been close enough to dogs to really, so I can, so I can't really say like, that was the closest thing. And to me, like, I didn't know. You know, and you said, no, that looks good. Like, that didn't look like her normal, like, stiff, like, you know, really kind of scared. Like, I'm going to start barking in a second. And I couldn't really see that yet. But now I can definitely tell the difference between the other types of body language for sure. Um, And that's super helpful because sometimes you don't know you. That's all the notice you're getting. And you're not even looking in the direction. You know, that's all the notice they're going to give you. And then they're going to start losing their mind, you know. So I have to like, yeah, if I don't hear her walking, I'm like, okay, what is she looking at? What's going on? (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And okay, so I want to just touch on on one last thing that I know that you guys have been working on as a team is just the simple art of being on the patio without going over threshold at dogs walking by. Yeah. So that has been, that has got, was getting worse. And I didn't even, I didn't really realize it. So we have this patio. um, We're on the second floor. We have this patio that kind of, you can see everything. And she likes to be out there and just lounge and chill and smell all the smells. And then of course, dogs come by quite frequently actually. And she doesn't like it for some reason. She, even more so than I think a dog being at her level. Um, and so she, oh my gosh, she absolutely loses her mind when a dog walks by and she will go back and forth and just until the dog is gone. And most of the time the dog doesn't care. They're just walking by, you know, she, the dog will not once in a while, the dog will bark back at her, but it's not like they're fighting or anything like that. Um, and so I, I was letting her be out there by herself. And then I'm like, okay, I got to call this. Like, unless I'm out there, and I can kind of do some training or at least like pick her up and hold her. We're not going to be out there. So um, that was the first thing that I had kind of had to like, well, sorry lady, but like, you know, sorry, we're gonna have to take this privilege away for a while until I'm able to, you know, get you right. (laughs) So you're feeling more comfortable. Um, And so what I've done is, is I have treats out there all the time. And um, when I have time to go out there and I'm able to really like be able to pay attention to her, while we're out there, then, uh, then we'll go out. And what I, um, what I do is I'm all, I'll, I'll either have a book, but I can always see her out of my periphery and I can see when she's starting to get stiff or when she's starting to kind of sit up a little bit and her ears perk up. I'm like, okay, where's the dog? Cause she <laughs> notices it before I do a hundred percent of the time. Like, I'm like, what are you, what? And then a dog walks by. 
so I immediately, when I see that, I'm like, okay, get, let's get the cookies. Let's hopefully I can just give her treats without even holding on to her, you know, and she'll take the treats and the dog will walk by and everything will be hunky dory. There are others, there are times where I notice that she won't take the food or whatever. And then I kind of have to, I pick her up, which we've, you know, I have a cue with that too. Now um, I pick her up and she feels more safe in my arms and then she'll be able to take the treats and stuff like that. So um, she still always is interested in the dog when we go, when a dog goes by, no matter what. So that's a little bit, we're still working on that. But um, now that I'm able to manage the situation out there, I see that we're going to be making progress. And we already have, like there was an there was one instance that I actually, I was able to upload a video because she gave me plenty of notice um, that the dog was coming, that she was chill. Like she looked at me. I didn't even ask her to look at me. Um, she took the cookies. Like it was really, it was so, it felt good. It was rewarding for me to see that she was, her being so relaxed because I, I like to see her relaxed and just like, doesn't care and just living a happy dog life, you know? And so, so that. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That's happening. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So for everyone listening, right. Um, just to circle back. So Megan said that, um, Olive has a pickup cue, right? So that's definitely something we talked about in the beginning, right? Like one, what is her comfort with being picked up Two, does she find being picked up reinforcing in moments of seeing other dogs, right? So like, those are things that we definitely talked about in the beginning before we implemented that as a management strategy, right? So just a little mm-hmm. caveat for all you beautiful little dog people who are like, oh my God, maybe I'll just pick my dog up. Like, please talk to a trainer. <laughs> okay, please talk to a trainer before you do that. Oh my God. Okay, so um, in addition to all of the things we worked on one-on-one, do you want to share just a little bit about what you um, thought about the group calls? Yeah, the group calls are actually really cool. I It's so nice to see other people that are going through the same thing. Like it's, you know, you kind of feel alone out there when you see all the normal, well, quote unquote, normal or typical dogs dog and dog behavior when you're can't even go in public places because of that, you know, and, and so it's really nice to hear everyone's stories hear everyone's wins, hear ever, especially hear everyone's challenges, because, you know, I learn a lot of stuff. Um, and it's, you know, we were able to ask questions and, and um, it's been, and, and seeing, seeing where everyone is at in their journey, you know, like this is where they started and this is the progress they've made because it gives you a little bit of hope too. Um, I know for mine, I think I'm the, the, in my group in particular, I'm the only little dog person. I think I'm, I'm the only little dog person. So, so when I'm watching the videos, I'm like, wow, the dog, I mean, like I'm able to pick my dog up and you can't, you know? And so I'm like, God, I feel so thankful for things like that. But, but, um, right. Like but, it's that nice perspective, right. That like, yeah, you can appreciate some things about Olive that maybe yeah. didn't get like the appropriate, like mental space because you're a little frustrated and overwhelmed by some of the reactivity, like. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I can pick her up. That's so useful. And she lets, you know, she actually appreciates it when I do pick her up. So, so, so yeah, it's been really great. I I enjoy them a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really helpful. It it really is. Oh my God. They're so much fun. I'm always so sad. I'm like, I don't want to leave you. Oh my God. Okay. So, um, if you were 
to give a reactive dog guardian listening who's maybe similar to Olive in size and personality, mm. what piece of advice would you give them? Oh my gosh. Um, I think it would be to not give up. Um, just comparing my dog to the other dog that I have. He's like I said, he's just so easy. He will take food easily and he just is easy to manage and Olive is a lot harder. So it's not that your dog is never going to, you know, listen to cues or, you know, a recall or whatever. You just need to work a little bit harder on it and just do different things. And so one, I would (laughs) reach out to a professional because you're going to need some help. Videos online are not going to do enough. (laughs) Um, And then just stick with it because it's going to take a, it's going to take more work and a lot longer probably, but you just have to be, um, spend some time, you know, it's not going to be like, you're going to be able to go out once a week and do training. And that's going to be enough. You have to stick with it and do a few times a week, at least, if not daily, like work it into your routine a few minutes a day. Um, and then just be patient because your dog loves you. If you're just having some difficulties in their life. Right. Right. You will get there. You will get there. Oh my God. Get there. Yeah. That is such wise advice. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have an Instagram handle you want to share with the listeners? Um, my Instagram handle is at Megan underscore Nicole with three N's, I think. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll be sure to keep, uh, include a link to that in the show notes so people can follow you and see, oh my God. Olive's adorable little stature. God, she is yes. cute. Oh my God. Yeah, she is. Oh my God. <laughs> Megan, thank you so much. Listen, we've all been there. You take your dog on an adventure and it is not carefree and fun like you hoped it would be. We love adventuring with our dogs, but we know there is so much more to it than going places and taking the good pictures. So if you have an adventure dog and you're struggling with some of their training, our comprehensive course content can give you all of the information you need to make huge strides in your adventure dog training. Whether your adventures include hiking, camping, stand-up paddleboarding, we have content just for you. In addition to our comprehensive course content, we host monthly group Q&As so that you can get answers to your training questions from experts like Steph and myself. So if you have an adventure dog and training has not been going like you hoped, check out Adventure Dog Academy that opens for enrollment on July 1st. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.